God, in his infinite wisdom, designed spiritual offices for the perfecting of the saints. But in this day, it seems like people desire to be in them for the wrong reasons. Well, in this episode, we've come to shed a little light and bring clarity on this topic. Please join me and Bishop Edwin Walker as we discuss the significance and responsibilities of spiritual offices. You don't want to miss this episode, so please stay tuned. Very good. I'm going to go to, I want to read 1 Timothy chapter 3. Um, We're going to go to some different offices now. Um, And we're going to start with the bishop. So I'm going to read, I'm going to read this. This is a true saying. If a man desire the office of a bishop, he desire the good work. A bishop then must be blameless, the husband of one wife, vigilant, sober, of good behavior, given to hospitality, apt to teach, not given to wine, no striker, not greedy, a filthy looker, but patient, not a brawler, not covetous, one that ruleth well his own house, having his children in subjection with all gravity. For if a man know not how to rule his own house, how shall he take care of the church of God? Not a novice, lest being lifted up with pride, he fall into condemnation of the devil. Moreover, he must have a good report of them which are without, lest he fall into reproach and the snare of the devil. It's pretty. That's some good reading. Um, Bishop, can you please break down the office of the bishop? (laughs) Well, again, that's another one of those offices that uh, everyone wants now. Um, They want to have that because it sounds so glamorous. I would like people to go beyond the word and go to what you just read, because now what we speak to is the character. And what we find out is that there are a lot of people who they have these huge titles and very little character. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you when you check them out, you find here's a here's a person that's a fighter, a cursor, uh, angry, uh, a womanizer or a man chaser, uh, whatever you need to call it. They've got all this drama behind them. And you say, but you're representing the church. You don't want to bring a reproach, shame, embarrassment on the church. You represent Christ and you represent Christ's church. Uh, The bishop, you have to kind of really um, work through this because the bishop has a lot of different meanings depending on the way you're approaching it. In the Bible, the bishop is actually the preaching elder. Uh, of a church mm-hmm. uh, and not so much as we interpret it. Even our in our denomination, what we call a bishop could almost be called a lesser version of an apostle. Uh, but the bishop is, biblically speaking, uh, the preaching elder, the one that the apostle might have left in place once a work has been established and they're moving on to somewhere else. And uh, or the evangelists come through and they'll help preach out this church. But now they're moving on to somewhere else. But now the bishop, the one who's left to deal with the people, 
is left there in place, that preaching elder. Uh, and they should be one of good reputation, clean reputation. It, it, everything you just read there, it, it, it needs to be there. It's not about money. It can't be about money. And of course, a lot of people now, they want to be a pastor because of money. They want a tax write off. They got, they got a whole lot of stuff that they're up to. And that's why they're, they're doing it. And they're not really concerned about, my God, the souls of men, Mm -hmm. the souls of men. At the end of the day, that's the only thing that's important is the souls of men. God did not come to die for your title. He didn't send Jesus to die, uh, cause you need a car or so you can get you a house. His main purpose for Jesus dying on the cross was God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that they who believe in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. You don't see anything in there about a promotion on a job, a car, a fur coat, a new Gucci bag. (laughs) It's about the souls, the souls of men. Yes. Yes. Very powerful. I want to, I'm going to continue reading in First Timothy, um, and it says, Likewise, must the deacons be grave, not double-tongued, not given too much wine, not greedy of filthy lucre, holding the mystery of the faith in pure conscience, and let these also first be proved. Then let them use the office of a deacon, being found blameless. Even so must their wives be grave, not slanderers, Sober, faithful in all things, let the deacons be the husbands of one wife, ruling their children and their own houses well. For they that have used the office of a deacon will purchase to themselves a good degree and great boldness in the faith which is in Christ Jesus. So can you please break down the office of the deacon? Thank you. Um, (laughs) That's a wonderful question as well. Um, The deacon, if you notice, it says likewise. So that means there's a continuation of character. In other words, the expectation is not only for the bishop or the preaching elder, the lead person of that church to walk in good character, but you, the deacon, the, the business elder, diakonos, that's the that's the uh, Greek word for that or the Hebrew word. I'm sorry. Diakonos. And that word deacon, that is the business elder, whereas the bishop is the preaching elder. The interpretation of a deacon is that of the business elder, the one that handles the matters of the church. Uh, you would see that in Acts when Peter uh, was was consulted because the Grecian women felt that they weren't getting their fair share of the daily dispensation when they sought Peter out. Peter, an apostle, he says, why, why are you all coming to me with this business? Pick you out seven men. Uh, let them be full of the Holy Ghost because, you know, the Holy Ghost deals with character. It's going to help your character. And he says, and set them over this business and we'll give ourselves continually to prayer and the ministry of the word. So you need those persons in place, those business elders that know how to have a clean reputation. They're apt to teach. That means they have the word in them. And at the same time, they know how to handle the business. It brings me to this uh, point, And I guess we'll talk about that even further. Again, I talked about it earlier, the servant, the servant spirit, the servant attitude. I believe it's second Kings where uh, the, the Kings were, they were together and they, they were in a dry place. They had gotten together, hadn't consulted the Lord, ended up in the desert, 
and uh, they were about to die. And Jehoshaphat says, is there a prophet? Is there at least one more prophet that can help us out? And is one of the king of Israel's servants says, I, I wish you had met this man that poured water on the hands of Elijah. Now, his name is Elisha. But at that time, he wasn't known for being a mighty prophet. And he wasn't known for uh, how many songs he sang and how many views he got on YouTube and how many <laughs> likes he got and thumbs up. He was known for pouring water on the hands of Elijah. Mm. Where are the people that don't mind pouring water? Hmm. Where are the servants at? Because you can't run with the prophet and the anointing not spill on you. Remember, Elisha said, I just want a double portion of that. And sure enough, he got it. Where are those people? Deacons are servants. They're serving elders. They are business elders in the church of high reputation, high regard. But they handle that church so that the preaching elder can give himself to prayer and ministry of the word because souls are at stake. Awesome. Wow, this is some good stuff here. I want to move on to uh, some different, um, I guess you can call these offices too. I don't know, you may be able to correct me, but the missionary. Can you break down the work of the missionary? The missionary, I think, is found in the foundation of the word mission. The job of the missionary is mission. You're going out. You're ministering to. Uh, there can be local uh, as well as uh, foreign missionaries. And of course, you need an anointing when you're going out to do missionary work. Now, remember, Apostle Paul, along with Barnabas, the, uh, Paul is an apostle, but the anointing on him was also that of a missionary. In Acts, he says, uh, while the church was together, they were fasting and praying. And the Holy Ghost says, separate unto me, Paul and Barnabas, for the work that I called them unto. And so here goes Paul and Barnabas on what is widely known in uh, all ecumenical circles as Paul's missionary journey. As he carried the gospel, also carrying help, carrying prayer, ministry, doing what's necessary to heal people, to help people, to strengthen people, not just going for a speaking engagement, but literally going to minister to the needs of people. And people's needs are more than just coming to church and worship. When we finish coming to church and worship, uh, how do you help me learn how to live what was taught? How do you help me learn how to live? How do you help me learn how to uh, control my anger and all of those things. I met the Lord. I love Jesus Christ. I'm a, I'm a born again believer, but boy, am I angry. And so the missionary comes along and not only can they preach, but now they're able to give you practical day to day solutions for how to deal with the various uh, areas of your life. Hmm. Because I see different kinds of missionaries. I see them going to shelters. I see them going to different parts and um, different countries, helping with, you know, women, feeding children, all of these things. And so I often wondered about that office as far well, as the ministry portion of it. Well, the missionary, the, the, the mission field is broad. There okay. is no lack was that Luke 4, 18? I think Isaiah 61 talks about how the spirit of the Lord is upon me. 
because he has anointed me. And the, the very first thing Jesus says there, he's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. And then in another part of the gospel, they were talking about Jesus. We could have sold this oil and we could have took this money and did this and that. And Jesus says, the poor you will have with you always. So watch this. He says, the poor you have with you always. Mm -hmm. And then he says, he's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. That tells me that there'll always be opportunity for ministry. You don't have to be uh, a bishop or a prophet or an apostle mm -hmm. to do ministry. Mm -hmm. The mission field is broad. There's the nursing home, the hospital, the jails, the shelters, the, of course, the foreign fields, the homeless, and the list just goes on. The babies, the daughters, the mothers too soon, the divorces, the divorcees. We can just go on and on and on. Yes. Yes. So true. I also was wondering about, because they, I just don't think sometimes they get enough credit for what they do. And I know it is a great part of ministry, and that is the usher. <laughs> Thank God for the usher. And, you know, the usher is a major, uh, perhaps even a pivotal point of a worship experience um, because they welcome people in yes. to the presence of the Lord. They're not just showing you to a seat. They're, or handing you a fan or giving you an envelope. They are literally the ones that welcome you into the presence of the Lord. Part of your job also is to maintain the order of a church. And uh, as much as we might not like to understand this, God is a God of order. Yes. yes. You know, there's there's not a bunch of uh, angels and stuff running around in heaven just doing whatever they want to do. Mm -hmm. uh, God is a God of order. And uh, so they welcome you into the very presence of the Lord and keep things flowing in a very orderly way. They don't get the credit that they ought to have, but they are very powerful because it causes the anointing to settle from the pulpit to the pew, from the front to the back door, from the very entrance to the exit. It, it allows for the presence of the Lord. If you got the wrong person as an usher, Mm. Oh, my goodness, it's going to be a, a rough experience because now you're going to have angry people in the pews because you had the wrong person as an usher. So the usher should be a person of uh, much prayer because you've got to deal with uh, you want to call it people. I like to say this. You're dealing with souls. Souls. Yes. It's really important. You ever notice this that when an airline crashes or a train crashes or a boat goes down? You ever notice how they go away from the head? Uh, 256 passengers and they start to, they know what it is. They say, you know what? There were 256 souls on board. Mm -hmm. Souls are important. Yes. Yes. Most definitely. And we're getting towards the end now. I'm so sad because I'm enjoying this so much. Um, we hear this oftentimes and I definitely want to deal with this because we hear it so much in church. But I want to really, uh, Bishop, I want you to really break down so we'll have an understanding on why we say these things. And that is two words that is often said in church. And those words are hallelujah and amen. Wow. OK, well, hallelujah, we know, uh, is the 
highest praise. We often hear it says, what's the highest praise? And everybody says, hallelujah. Uh, that's the one word that God left common to men with which we could praise him. And, and hallelujah is actually an angelic word, not a, not a man word or not a human word. When you break it down, uh, H-A-L-L, uh, or if you were to do it in Hebrew, it'd be H-A-I-L, which is to say hail or to praise or to lift, exalt, extol. Then the next two letters would be E-L or L as in Elohim or, uh, or the, the God, the strong one, God, the mighty one, God, the all-breasted one, God, the holy one. Uh, and then when you look at that last three letters is J-A-H, Jah, or is Jehovah, Jehovah Shalom, Jehovah Nisi, uh, and, and such like. So when you're saying hallelujah, you're actually saying hail to God, the strong one, and praise to Jehovah Nisi, praise to Jehovah Shalom. You're giving him all of the glory, and you literally are joining the angels in giving God praise. That's an angelic word. You only see it written once in the King James Version of the Bible. You have to go to Revelation and it's Alleluia. Uh, and when you see that, that's the angels praising God. Is it? That is it. That's the angelic. Oh my goodness. I'm excited. God has allowed us opportunity to join the angels in giving him glory. The angels can't even understand it. They say, what is man? The thou are so mindful of him. And now God says, and I'm going to let him in on some of this praise and takes man and says, come on and join the angels and bless my name. And when you look at a man, a man is simply a word that reinforces a truth uh, that says it is so or so be it. It, it is a, uh, it's non-negotiable. It says, this is it. Boom. That's it. Um, Jesus is Lord. Amen. It's not, uh, well, yeah, could be. No, it's amen. He is the Lord. And so uh, when when we're saying hallelujah, amen. Oh, my goodness, the two together. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Praise God, the strong one. Glorify Jehovah, the king of glory. Amen. It is so. And do you not know that Amen is one of Jesus's titles in Revelation? They call him the Amen. It is so. God bless. What a wonderful opportunity to share with you today, MJ. Yes. I love it. Yes. I love it. That's powerful. Bishop Walker, I want to thank you for all of your wisdom and knowledge and giving us so much on this topic. It, it's something that I really wanted to do, and I'm just so grateful that you were able to come and share. Um, I want to ask you, if you don't mind, to give a prayer for those who may be operating in these spiritual offices. Maybe they're under attack. Maybe they just need some encouragement or something like that. If you can please just say a word of prayer for the ones that are listening also. Well, thank you. Uh, I I'm so glad to share with you and to you that are listening and you're doing the work of ministry, doing the work of the evangelist, uh, doing the work of the apostle, the prophet, the pastor, the teacher, I want to encourage you. Let us not be weary in well-doing, yes. for in due season you shall reap, if you faint not. Eternal God, our Father, we thank and praise you for this uh, time of sharing and fellowship with MJ. And thank you for these listeners that have joined us, for those that are listening in the various areas and various countries and various parts even of this country. And God, I thank you because somebody today is discouraged and disheartened 
because they don't see the fruit of their labor. I pray, God, that you would look upon them and strengthen them, give them courage to endure, resurrect their ministry, resurrect their their determination, and let them know that you, in fact, have called them for such a time as this in this day. I pray, God, now that you would cause the anointing of the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the pastor, and the teacher to rise up in this day, that fivefold ministry gift, and let it be seen for what it really is, a blessing to the body of Christ and the whole world. I pray for the missionary that's on the field, whether local or foreign. I pray for the usher that's there in the church. I pray for the deacon. Lord, help him, help her. Whatever the case, whatever the situation that they face, Give them what they need to make it and let them know that they're doing a great work and they mustn't come down. In Jesus' name, thank God. Amen. Amen. I wanted to say that. Amen. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you all for listening. If you enjoyed this like I did, please share it with someone. I know it's going to be a wonderful, wonderful blessing. And don't forget... You can stay connected with us on social media. We are on Facebook as well as Instagram at Change My Life Podcast. Wow. Who knew? Operating in a spiritual office would change my life. <laughs>